on your favorite podcast streaming network. <laughs> Hi. What's up, guys? Another one. Another one. We are coming in hot with another episode of Mustangology, and this one is going to be very fast and exciting. Fire. Sure, should I say smoky? Yeah, very smoky. Can, can you guys guess? Come rubber, on. Let's rubber. Let's think here. Just, we'll keep Loud giving noises. you hints. Who do you think we're about to interview? He Loud was, noises. If you listen to the previous episode, you will. we dropped a hint. Chad yes. said, answered his the question, favorite who is his favorite? FD. Pro FD driver. Pro FD driver. Yep. And it is JTP. Mr. One oh, Hunt. This dude just straight drops it. I don't care. I was ready to drop more <laughs> hints. I was going to say, one like, hunt it. hashtag too low, bro. Yeah, we got to bring He's that up. He's not going to like that one. Yeah, no, he likes that one. No, I know. Because that picture I got of him skirt skirting his little wheel and it like shot some smoke out. Scoopy scoop. That's pretty far. Yeah, it is. Now, Justin is, uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys in the Mustang, he is a huge uh, influencer in the Mustang world of crazy high horsepower. Big smoke, tilty wheels, <laughs> super low. I still think about drifting. Like, So I've been to a few events. Uh, and when I say a few, I've only been to two. Which one? Uh, I went to, gosh dang, hold on. Did you go to ATL? Um, I went to the, what's, what's the one down in Atlanta? FDATL, Road to Atlanta. No, I went to the, come on, help me here. What is it's the it? other one. It, they have it in Michigan. They have it in Atlanta. Oh, Grid Life? Grid Life. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. I went to Grid Life for one and, and saw a bunch of drifting action there. And then I also went to, dang, I wish Justin was on the line already because he could answer it. I was already somewhere. And then I was like, oh, hey, there's a drift event like an hour from us. So we scooped was on Was it over one there. of the actual FD events? Yeah, it was an actual FD event. New Jersey? Mm-mm. Orlando? Mm-mm. Long Beach? Negative. Uh, I'm trying to think even where I was. I, I travel way too there's much. There's one in Texas, right? I don't know. I don't know. Either. I just I've, I, always I will think about it. Anywho, anywho, let's call let's, up your boy JTP. Let's call JTP here. All right. Ringling, ring. Make sure it's FaceTime audio. FaceTime audio. And for all you that are on that green bubble, you need to be about the blue bubble. Oh, if you know, you know. Here we go. Audio. No, no, no. Right there. This dude. Let's just have you do it. Ring, ring. JTP. <laughs> uh, so, so it, you guys aren't don't understand that when I told him I was going to introduce him as a, a fellow rival FD driver, but I didn't. I was nice. He told we, me he was. We hyped give me you that. up big time. Oh, we hyped you up super big. I'm over oh, here okay. wearing my JTP T-shirt, jumping up and well, down. Well, you always wear that. You go to sleep in that. I do. I, 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 Go to bed thinking of you. I wake up thinking of you. Just, just oh, happens. my God. That's too far, bro. All I smell is smoke. Love it. What is going on? Uh, just working away, man. You're at your shop in the old uh, Southern Cali? Socially distancing myself like I do pretty much every day. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. Like, I don't feel any any norm. And by the way, just to let you know, listeners that are very big advocates of the Kona, COVID, the Rona, the Rona. Uh, me and Jaron are six feet apart, slightly, maybe five and a half. But um, no, yeah, this is that's kind of crazy times. But no, I don't feel any different, to be honest with you. No, I, I go about my regular day. I, I'm not like in crowds and everything, but 
I guess I already practice social distancing my entire life. Well, aside from going to the grocery store and everything's freaking sold out because all these people going nuts, that's the only difference yeah. I feel. How's it down there? Uh, I mean, yeah, like it's it's actually kind of nice. I drove out to uh, North Hollywood to go look at a um, like a car lift, like a two post lift yeah. this morning, and there was literally no traffic, and it was awesome. And that at is never, yeah, and that has never been said, probably. Yeah. So I mean, um. <laughs> The, I, I cruised by Home Depot and there was like a line out the door. So like people like letting only like a couple of people in. So I, I decided not to go there. Um, but I don't know, like it doesn't really affect my life too much different. Like my son's not in school. He's uh, obviously been staying at home because schools are closed. So my wife's been uh, like basically helping like homeschool him, which is a bit different. But yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not really seeing a big change other than like less traffic but like i said i don't really like go out i don't really go to bars or clubs or party or anything like that i just uh spend time with my family and work on my cars heck yeah no that's that's that sounds like life there well speaking of that um as a lot of you guys already know jtp justin pollock mr 100 mr 100 pro formula d which is formula drift for you those that don't know but i'm sure most of you guys know Justin is a professional drift driver, and uh, he pilots a crazy high-horsepower Mustang. Justin, why don't you kind of tell us the whole story on where drifting, how drifting came about, your first time doing it, and where you are today? Um, well, uh, the first time doing it was, uh, oh, man, probably like in a parking lot somewhere back in two. 2002 maybe or three something like that and then uh that probably wasn't the best decision and then i i moved out to california and um went to industry drift day that was my first like real like on track drift experience i guess um with a more or less stock r7 and um did that a couple times uh, the couple industry drifts and then decided to you know, take the build a little bit further, did like a turbo two swap into the car and then started competing in late Oh five, I think it was. Um, and then into Oh six, uh, in just drift, which it was the local, uh, drift series mm-hmm. back then, yeah. um, that was happening. But, uh, fast forward to like 2000, late 2008, I had, uh, gotten my pro license and, um, campaigned the formula drift series in Oh eight with the same r7 that i had started with and um got on the podium uh, and at the end of the year finished 16th out of like 60 drivers at the time um and then uh you know fast forward a couple more years uh got hooked up with <clears throat> falcon tire <coughs> falcon tire and started driving the mustang heck yeah all right so let's let's go back to the very first time drifting my my question is, is were you just naturally good at it? Like, were you like driving your mom's car and was like, I'm going to rip the e-brake here and float it around this corner? Like, how did that happen? And then were you just naturally good at it with like at your first uh, drift event? So um, I grew up in Michigan. So I, I uh, was already familiar with like the snow and all of that stuff. And I used to plow out our street because um, the the snowplow didn't come 
to where we are at mm-hmm. with uh, this little John Deere tractor that with a back back plow. Yeah. And um, so I would always, while I was like plowing the, the tractor with a kick sideways. So I was already used to like counter steering and like staying on throttle. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of where I got, uh, comfortable driving sideways, I guess. Right, right. And then even when I was like 15, my dad took me out in the high school parking lot with the truck, my first truck. And, um, I was just doing like, he, he basically just let me like learn how to control, you know, chaos basically. You're like doing donuts and sliding the truck around, not even think about it as drifting, but just like teaching me car control for winter driving. Yeah. Um, with a, with a rear wheel drive vehicle. So that's kind of my first, uh, go around with it. And then driving a couple of years in Michigan before I, I moved out to Arizona and then, um, you know, ended up here in California. Um, I think just like that, that background of driving in, in inclement climate and winter driving yeah. helped. And, um, I was first like exposed to drifting in like 2000, I think, or 2001, they had a drift show off at Irwindale Speedway and myself and a couple other buddies drove out from California and and came and watched the event. And I mean, watching the dudes like drift, I was like, right away, I was like, dude, I know I can do that. I just, I wasn't, I mean, I was like impressed, but I wasn't like, oh, that's impossible to do. I just was like, "I, I know I can do this. So, um, I kind of just like kind of put it on the back burner because I didn't have money or, or anything at the time to build any type of drift car. And then when I moved out to California and actually like started making some money at working uh, at AEM um, in the evenings, I started working. I bought this little R7. I started working on it. And then, like I said, I got into going to events and, and naturally I think I just had like a skill set. And obviously you like, you build on that skill set. Um, throughout the years but I was able to do a lot with not much car back then and I I never really tried to like overbuild my car I just tried to like drive it as hard as I could and get the most out of it um, which I think is a little bit different uh, approach than a lot of people nowadays I think a lot of people are just more into like building these crazy drift builds and not trying to maximize what they have in the car so Right. That that kind of le- tends to not build you as a driver because you have all these extra tools and it makes it a little bit easier to drift. But it de- like I said, it doesn't really like develop you as a driver, which I think back then there wasn't like wise or like big angle kits and there wasn't like LS swaps um, and dog boxes and quick changes and all these things that have, you know, come into light in the last, you know, five or 10 years even. Right. Um, so I think I, I was one of the last few guys in the series that basically was like competing with pretty basic stuff. Um, you know, there's a couple other guys like Forrest Wang and, and Odie um, and Matt Field. Like those dudes were, you know, some of like the last class of dudes that kind of came up with like really basic equipment. And, and now there's like Pro 2 cars that are basically built as big as, as pro one cars yeah it's just it's a lot different um nowadays so it was more it was more skill yeah i guess more skill set rather than and i'm not trying to take anything away from drivers now but i feel like people are so caught up in in building these crazy cars they kind of lose 
uh, sight of, you know, developing their skill set and, and whatnot. And it's kind of a bummer because we really haven't had a ton of like breakout drivers, um, in a while. And I, I honestly feel like that's the reason. Yeah. No. And, and, and you're, you're, you have a different, I mean, I think people look at you different in, in this industry. I mean, because of obviously your skill set, not on, only on like the, the driving side, but obviously the, um, engineering side and working on your vehicle and such. I mean, you're literally one-stop shop, one-stop shop. You do everything. I mean, you don't pull, it's, it's not like Justin pulls off his car to his sponsors and they work on it for him and, and give him a, a prepped car for the race. I mean, you're literally doing everything. And I think that that says a lot because that shows kind of the pioneer of the sport, I, I feel like. And I think people super respect you for that, which is, is kind of cool. Well, I think it helps me like relate to the fans as well on a different level than just being like people are, are just fans of me as a driver. I think uh, I can talk shop with them about like building their car, like why I choose certain products. And, and that's one thing like the, the companies that I use aren't just because they're paying my way or building my car. It's because I believe in their products and yep. I won't use a product on my car if I don't think it's going to work and, and I know firsthand that it's going to work because I'm the one that's installing it or, or working with the company to, to develop it or, or make changes with it. I mean, it's an absolute blessing to be able to work with, you know, uh, Roush and Ford performance on, on different things. And like Roush superchargers, I don't think anybody has really put the Roush supercharger to the test. Like I have, um, uh, especially with like the two, three, uh, the older gen two one, I mean, I've gotten a ton of power. We we put on almost a thousand horsepower with that that supercharger, right? And the kit only makes like six seventy five. Yeah, exactly. And then even with the Illuminator engine, working with the Ford Performance guys, we found a couple things that they ended up implementing some changes on um, for the production engine, which is just such a cool thing to to be a part of, uh, to know that I'm helping a company like Ford Performance make their product even better that'll eventually trickle down well that will trickle to the enthusiasts all of us who you know, oh, yeah, yeah, it's totally yeah. it's totally trickled like they've made changes in their engine mm-hmm. uh, configurations based on some stuff that you know myself and and, and a couple other people have like found but i mean when i'm having a certain failure and it's we change that part and then we don't have a failure anymore it's like a direct correlation to like things that I've, I've been kind of like working with them on and, and getting them um, feed, feedback on. And it's just awesome to be a part of that and, and to talk to the engineers that are developing these engines because they're smart dudes and, and just to be able to have conversations with them and, and talk shop with them is super cool. Well, and I think they, they appreciate the amount of, I would say like wear and tear, but you're like the next step of testing. Obviously they do some pretty, um, intense testing, but I mean, you take it to a whole nother level. I mean, you guys are wide open for, I mean, pretty much all season and, and I mean, putting absolute terror through these superchargers and <laughs> engines and stuff. I mean, I, I don't know any other way to explain it. If, if you haven't been to an FD event, I'm being serious and I'm not just pumping it up. It is just your heart races every single time you watch. You have tire uh, chunks of tire, like <laughs> you might. pieces of tire all you on might. your nose and just but, everywhere. Yeah, just it's so aggressive and loud and mean and just the the way you guys <laughs> move those cars and everything. I don't, you you know how how I felt about it. I mean, what event did I did I come to? I'm, I'm, I keep I can't figure Seattle. out where I was. Seattle, oh, that's Seattle. right, that's right. 
So I remember that the first time like I came up to you, I was so freaking pumped. I mean, first you were, you had a heck of a run and uh, that was, that was so cool to watch, but it just gets you on a whole nother hype level. I mean, I, I've been around drag racing. I've been around NASCAR. I was a tire changer. So I, I've been around the automotive industry. There's nothing like formula drift. Absolutely not the fan interaction. And that's another thing I was going to say when I was with you at grid life, watching you walk around the pits and relate to these guys of talking to them about their parts. And I mean, we sat at that one car for a little while and you're talking about, um, I know it was, a, it was a different engine uh, type, but you were going through all every little detail. And I mean, that's, that's, I think the respect that, that you've really earned uh, from the fan point of view, but so let's talk a little bit more about your, uh, your FD car. What's on it. And uh, yeah, maybe just talk through what's on it. What's the build. Uh, the new car or the old car? Let's talk about old car and new car. Let's talk about okay, last year. Okay, so the, the old car, we uh, built it in 2015, mm -hmm. campaigned it in 2016. Uh, that, starting from the front, basically, is a 2.3 Roush Performance uh, supercharger on top of a uh, 5.0 Coyote Illuminator high compression, so that's the 11 to 1 mm -hmm. engine. Um, that's made it to an Exidy Twin Disc, an ETO 3XD clutch, um, quick time bell housing, uh, 6083, I think is the part number on that one, to uh, Andrew's um, product, four-speed dog box, basically the same transmission that they've been running in NASCAR for quite some time. Yeah. Um, pretty much industry standard uh, transmission for NASCAR. But we utilize them, change the gear races around, but they hold a ton of power and are very reliable. Um, was running a carbon uh, drive shaft shop drive shaft to uh, actually a nine inch, um, just a regular Ford nine inch rear end drive shaft shop uh, conversion kit for the S550 Mustang and drive shaft shop axles. Uh, the suspension is something that I developed with a company called I1. Um, I, I did some uh, prototyping and then they. They kind of prototype the rear end. I can prototype the front end um, since I was more focused on the angle and they were more focused on the grip. Um, so we developed a full bolt-in uh, drift suspension, tub tubular control arms, uh, custom front steering knuckle, uh, billet top hats uh, for on top of the coilovers, um, and all adjustable arms in the back end of the car, and also a coilover conversion in the back of the car. Um, instead of like a separate shock spring like the factory is. Um, and then brakes, all all the brakes were changed to Willwood, like lightweight, um, six piston in the front, four piston in the rear uh, with a uh, an extra caliper for the handbrake, which I developed with uh, JST Fab. They machined out um, the, uh, the brackets that I used to fit those uh, Willwood calipers. And then so wait, um, there, there's an extra caliper just for the handbrake. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like to use the same handbrake or do like mm -hmm. a pass through system because right. it tends to, to give feedback into your foot pedal. Yeah. Um, there's some, some teams that do. And I just think it's like super sketchy because yeah. if you pull the handbrake and step on the brakes, it like locks up all four brakes. Oh yeah. That like is scary. It, it, yeah. It's really weird. Uh, so I, I use like a separate um, set of calipers on the back that's connected to a separate master cylinder that's only on the handbrake. And that's 
more or less just an extra tool to make some adjustments. I typically use the handbrake on uh, like chase runs. Mm -hmm. I really don't try to like use it for initiating or or anything like that. I'm more trying to do like a clutch kick or like a faint power over style entry, which I think is a more exciting style than a kind of a boring e-brake. Which is exactly Uh, why you got your, what was it, 100 point? Mm-hmm. Mr. 100. Mr. 100. <laughs> Entry at what? New Jersey? The wall, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm sure that that uh, might might have played a, a role in it. Heck yeah, but, I think so. So, um, but yeah, the the old car was pretty solid. Oh, and then also CNR um, radiators. Uh, they developed a radiator and heat exchanger solution that uh, mounts in the back of the car. I had used some of their off the shelf stuff um, initially in the build. And I met with them at uh, at the SEMA show, and they were, like, taking a look at the car. And they were like, oh, you know, we could probably design something that works a little bit better than what you have currently. And I just told them, I was like, well, I used your guys' stuff because it, it's good. But this was what was available. So I just kind of made what was available work. And um, they actually designed a, a full custom setup that bolted in exactly where I had it. Wow. And... Uh, their their setup actually lowered in um coolant temps twenty degrees. Really? And I, I just posted a video of me tearing up the Hoonigan burn yard and I was literally smashing uh for about two and a half minutes. Um <laughs> just tapping rev limit and the car only got to like two hundred and three degrees, not even to like normal operating temperature. So that C and R stuff just works phenomenal. Uh, and it's great to work with companies like that that really are focused on the quality of their parts and, and it shows in how it works on the car. Heck yeah. When do you think it, like, do you think it, the positioning of the, like where it is cooled it down as much or is it just their products? Uh, well, the the heat exchanger that I had was not like a full, um, it was the biggest heat exchanger, off-the-shelf heat exchanger that I could find mm-hmm. on like Summit. And I, I just tapped it out to make it work on front of this off-the-shelf radiator. But the cores that I were, were, was using weren't their best design cores. So they okay. had like a, a better core design. And also, they increased the size of the heat exchanger. Um, so within the constraints of like my mounting points, they basically put their best cores together oh, gotcha. and a, a full-size like um uh, heat exchanger and then they did like a better shroud setup with better fans that and um, that that combination is it was just amazing to see like back to back from like changing it one one event to the next that that temperature drop and the thing is i don't think it's just like a temperature drop but i don't think it lets it heat soak as much because it's so much more efficient mm-hmm. so because it doesn't get heat soaked, it doesn't have to like bring the temperature back down. Yeah, there's less strain so, on the parts. Right. So you're not like it's not like it's getting as hot even. It's just not even letting it get to that point to have to work harder. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just that much more efficient. No, that makes and sense. And that's something I, I think people don't think about is that, you know, larger or whatever isn't always the case. It's about how it dissipates the heat and the core design. From the outside, radiators and heat exchangers, they all pretty much look the same, but it's really the inside and the extrusion that's inside the radiator that really counts. And 
And that's why there's companies like CNR that have, you know, proprietary style um, extrusions because they know it works. Yep. No, that's awesome. No, that makes sense now because it's ju- they made the best, uh, you know, cooling system for your application. Yeah, yeah. I, it's amazing. Awesome. And I use their stuff now. I use their stuff on all my cars. I, I put a uh, one of their uh, drop-in replacement radiators on the P fifty one, and man, I was ripping that thing around um, the Optimus Streetcar Challenge in Vegas a couple weeks ago, and never once got hot. And dude, I was like hot lapping that thing um you know 140 down the back straight uh just giving it everything it, it could and that thing makes about 750 uh wheel so well, decent that, yeah, that right. thing is so stupid bad. loud dude. oh it is stupid it, it's it's the <laughs> loudest car i've ever heard in my entire life but I, <laughs> I may have to look at one of theirs so you did a like the oem roush the the cooler you just replace it with one of theirs they have a replacement one no, I actually just use their drop-in radiator. I didn't even. Um, oh. I've, I've I've been talking to them about doing a, a replacement Roush uh, heat exchanger too. Um, we just haven't finalized it yet. I got. To, I was talking to one of their engineers over there that I basically work with all the time. Uh, his name is Jack Anderson. He does a great job. Um, nice. And we got some initial measurements. Uh, we kind of, to be honest with me, I kind of dropped the ball on following up on it just because I've been so caught up with building this new uh, drift car for this year. But I really want to finish developing a drop-in um, replacement heat exchanger for the Roush kit for the 15 to 17 cars. Because, um, you know, the more cooling helps. But, but even just doing the radiator uh, kind of resolved the issue that we were seeing before I had a radiator. Because, um, you know, on this, like this, the phase two kit on the stage three, uh, if you're tracking that thing, you can get some serious heat soak. Um, but, but putting that CNR radiator in, they got rid of that. And I think because the, the engine's cooling so much better, it helps the supercharger cool, uh, because the engine's not getting as hot. So it kind of rectified the problem, but obviously adding more cooling is never a bad thing. Yeah, for sure. Cause I, I'm starting to look at, um, the heat, the replacing mine, because like right now, just driving, mine does like five or six degrees above ambient, and then mm-hmm. like it just looks bad too, because it's I've got freaking ninety thousand miles on the thing, so it's all chewed up from rocks and it looks bad. Yeah, but yeah. Well, um, maybe I can. Uh, maybe I should get back on getting that heat exchanger developed. Yeah, that'd be cool. Get on it. Stop. Stop. <laughs> RC drifting around. Speaking of RC drifting, yeah, right. that, it's so funny. I'm, I'm sitting here scrolling down your Facebook page, and I'm like, dang, what car is that? It's an RC car, and it looks like a real one. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> Dude, so I just I just recently got back into RC drifting. Um, I was into it back when it was like called Counter-Steer, where they, it was like four-wheel drive, but it was overdriven. Yeah. So that the rear wheels drove, like, rotated faster than the, the fronts. But yeah. now, man, with... The gyro technology and it's just rear wheel drive. It is, it is like a stupid amount of fun. And my son's getting into it, so obviously there's some motivation with that. I've seen Um, him ripping around. I think he's going to be able to take his old man no time. Dude, he out qualified seven grown men at the last. Oh my gosh, that is so sick. That is so. Talk about proud dad. During this little seven year old, he's like half their size, can't barely see the whole track, and. (laughs) 
uh, he literally out qualified seven dudes. I was so proud of him. That is so cool. <sighs> proud dad moment is right. That is so cool. I didn't even know he's okay. using the pro that profile picture. Look oh at yeah, that, look at it. That's the one of the P fifty one. This dude cropped out your M M F C. Oh, this dude straight cropped it out. <laughs> he says, "Heck with." We're looking at your profile picture here. Um, but what do you mean? Oh, I'm, I'm, oh, I didn't crop it out. It only gives this you like a little circle. Cropped it out, he says. <laughs> oh, but so you, we talked. About, I, I'm, 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 I'm a rocking that NFC on the back of the. He is. Much he all is. I know. I'll I give know. you props. Illy. Illy. <laughs> um, but you know, we talked about this, the the old car. So let's go to the new car. Is there anything um, like big improvements that you've added to this year's? that maybe you have seen from the past and and put it, some upgrades into it? Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, it would be silly to build the same car, right? Um, So over the last five years or, or whatever, uh, campaigning the old car, four years of campaigning the old car, uh, there's a lot of things that you, like, notice that, oh, man, I should have done this differently or, um, you know, maybe we should try something else on the next time around. So. Uh, this this build that I'm wrapping up is has taken quite a bit longer than I expected, but with that extra time, we've found some um, new things, made some improvements, uh, gotten some new companies on board. Um, so it's exciting because not there's like little things, big things, just a ton of different stuff that has uh, gotten a lot better. Um, starting out with like the drivetrain, so the the Cobra Jet obviously has been made and released in the last two years and the, the predator with the GT 500. So that being said, there's a new five, two block, uh, based off like a gen three, um, kind of configuration, but like the predator in general. Um, so that's the engine that I have in the car now. It's, nice. it's going to be the next generation of, uh, illuminator XS. So it's a five, two, uh, not a flat plane. It's a cross plane. Definitely some major improvements to uh, the clamping with the head bolts and the bore and, and all that stuff. So that's super exciting. Not to mention the displacement, the, the cylinder head design. Um, we actually worked with, with Ford Performance on, uh, they, they kind of built me similar to like a Cobra Jet style, but with some GT350 cams. So the cam profile on a GT350 is going to be a lot better than uh, like a Cobra Jet cam because we're obviously running more than eight second passes. Yeah, two different applications. Right. So, but but they they basically built me this engine, figuring this would be the next like Illuminator XS, which is pretty cool to have. You know, the first variations of that. Um. So that's what that's what's in the car. Uh, on top of that is a twenty six fifty uh, supercharger. It's actually a VMP, but Roush Performance uh, actually did the, the um, engineering on it. So it was built in-house at Roush, uh, even though it's got a VMP stamp. Um, so it's it's something that they collaborated on. Uh, we also went to like a 10-rib pulley instead of the VMP 8-rib um, just to give it a little bit extra grip. And I'm still actually kind of uh, developing some some idler pulleys for that setup to, to make sure that it's going to work really well. But, um, I'm really excited about the engine package. Um, it, it already made 150 more horsepower than last year. Wow. Uh, at, the, at the same amount of boost. So. More efficient. Um, just a little bit. 
Uh, we're still running um, fuel injector clinics, injectors. Uh, we're still running the radium um, engineering fuel rails and fuel pressure regulator and their surge tank and all that. Those are all the same uh, from last year's car to this year's car. Uh, we went with a third fuel pump just to be safe. Um, there's actually provisions for three, so we, we decided to put the third one in there. Uh, and then we'll also have stage um, uh, fuel pumps uh, this year. Another major improvement is um, I've been running the controls pack, like the, the Ford Performance Controls Pack that you can get with any crate motor. Mm-hmm. I've been running that for the last four years. Um, with no issues, but there were some shortcomings on uh, inputs and outputs that we could have and, and data acquisition and all that. So I worked with Link Engine Management, and um, they developed a uh, engine or uh, engine management solution for the Coyote, which uh, actually still controls the, the van or the camshaft. Um, and I, I believe it's actually the first uh, aftermarket ECU to have full cam control. So it's pretty cool to, to work with them over the last two years and develop that. Um, since there's a couple other companies that have Coyote engine management, but none of them actually have the cam control. Uh, they You basically have to lock out the cams to a set position. And the problem with that is you lose a ton of torque um, without utilizing the cams, the intake cams especially, down low torque. So. Um, that's just something that, you know, nobody's really been able to do. And it's pretty cool to work with link and, and get that working. And, and now it's like proven on the dyno. Um, so we're actually still not even done with the dyno tune. We should, at the end of it, we'll be close to 200 horse. Um, we, we ran, we felt we ran short of, of time. We ran into a little issue on the dyno where we ended up having to pull it off. Nothing major, catastrophic, or anything. Uh, just a little drivetrain um, concern that we we ended up pulling the the car off. We actually like lost the boot on the drive shaft, so um, we're going to be going back to the dyno in the next couple weeks. But like I said, we're already 150 horsepower up, and uh, it's looking like where things are going, we should be close to 200 horsepower up from where we were at last year, which is wow. super exciting. That's insane. Um, coupled with uh, spending a lot of time lightening things on the car and making things more simple, um, not only on the chassis, but cooling cooling uh, system configuration. I like got rid of 48 fittings. I was like way overkill on junctions and uh, different like fittings and stuff on the old car. So um, I dropped uh, just over 200 pounds on the car. Which is basically like I'm keep I'm I'm not riding around with a passenger uh, all year, which will be really good. So, you know, 200 horse up, 200 pounds lighter on the car is is definitely like exciting, and it should make the car a lot faster. With with you doing that, and you know, obviously driving the car how it was for like four to five years, do you think that there's going to be some slight adjustments for yourself as far as like driving and you know, because I'm sure like that car as soon as you get in it, it's like a glove, like you know exactly what it's going to do under certain situations like do you think there's going to be slight adjustments whenever you get in it yeah absolutely i mean so that's that's not the only changes um there's like the car is complete like there's so many things that are different uh we went to so working further back on the on the um car we're running 
similar about housing, quick time about housing with the same clutch, the Exidy um, Twin Disc, because uh, we had no failures with that. The thing's been working fantastic. Basically, get a full year of abuse out of one clutch. Um, and that's just an off the shelf clutch you can like put in your streetcar. Same clutch I run in the P51. Uh, no problems, handles power, very streetable, uh, not a heavy clutch pedal or anything like that. Um, but behind that, I actually went to a Sedev um, six-speed sequential gearbox. So that will be something different. But on the other hand, too, it gives us two extra gears and a lot more tunability on ratios um, or being able to grab a, an extra gear quickly uh, instead of like a four-speed where you're limited to, obviously, four gears. Yeah. Um, behind that, uh, we're running uh, G-Force engineering drive shaft and axles this year uh and then another big upgrade was uh going to a winter's quick change rear end so we'll be able to make gear ratio changes you know within five minutes um and and i think it'll add some strength going from a nine inch to the 10 inch winter's um rear end which will be nice because we we did have a couple uh diff failures in the past um, I think just because we've been putting so much power and so much abuse through the stuff, that's crazy. Uh, upgrade, upgrading that will will help. Because nine um, inches, you know, across the board, a lot of people put nine inches in it. Like the Ford nine inch, it's almost bulletproof. And so for you to have issues out of it, like geez. one shop that I used to work at, they had a twenty five hundred horsepower. Um, it was a twin turbo Dodge Viper, and they always gave me crap for being the the Mustang dude, you know, Ford guy. And I was like, yeah, you wouldn't have that super nice, you know, fast Dodge Viper of yours if it didn't have that Ford rear end in it. Because oh, wow. they kept shearing the, the Dodge rear ends. Jeez. That's crazy. Well, that so, I mean, so I don't think it's anything specific with the, the rear end. I, I think the, the problem that we were having is when we would, because um, in, in drifting, obviously, there's times that you make wheel-to-wheel contact. Mm-hmm. And every time that we had a failure, Earlier in the event, somebody had like hit me in the rear uh, tire. Gotcha. So I think it's like I, from getting hit and that joust of like it, a car like hitting the the wheel that obviously like shocks the rear end. Yeah. Um. Later on in the event, we typically would have like a ring and pinion failure. So we never, I've never had anything fail, like without major. yeah, without something that we could yeah. see possibly causing it. Gotcha. Yeah. Jeez. But it's one of those things like we've gotten taken out. Dude, we I was like serving it up to Osbo and I broke in Seattle. Oh, um and you know it's it's we make these great runs and then we have a mechanical failure and it's just like come on. So really we're just trying to go through the car and make everything as bulletproof as possible with issues that we've seen in the past so that we can't like we we try to limit the possibility of getting taken out by a mechanical failure. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I'm excited to see word. you see you run this year. Well, I think Dude, I can't yeah. wait. Yeah, I think you. I can't up. wait to drive this car. Yeah, you've definitely teamed up with. I mean, literally the top guys in the industry from from Roush, uh, Falcon Tire, what Lucas Oil for performance. I mean, yeah, you got you got a lot of a lot of big big uh, names behind you. And I can tell you guys, uh, obviously, Justin went through his build. I mean, he he has put these things through the ringer. So, obviously, you can probably trust a lot of these products. So, if you want to see more of these products, you can actually head over to justinpollock.com 
uh, click sponsors and it kind of has a good list of, of his stuff, but I'm sure even just shooting him a message on Facebook, if he can get back to you, he most likely will. So, um, yes, I mean, speaking of Lucas too, that's, that's another like huge one that we, we switched to only using Lucas oil products on the engine and, and drivetrain and stuff. And, and dude, uh, running that Lucas 550 with a little bit of stabilizer in it, um, we did a teardown at Ford Performance a couple of years back on, on an engine that I had. I think we figured out it was like maybe 24 events or something like that that I had on this engine. Uh, just an absolute ton of events and, and a ton of abuse. And that thing had like no bearing wear wow, after wow. all that. And so, I mean, I religiously use Lucas in all of my stuff now um, with a little bit of you know, initially you think maybe some of that, that stabilizer stuff is snake oil, but when you actually like tear an engine apart and see like how well, uh, it protects like the, the internal components, um, in a race application, you really realize like that extra bit of money that you spend on that stuff can, can make your stuff live a lot longer, especially in, in a normal driving not like the abuse that I put it through. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause that's what I was going to say. You know, you freaking, you beat up on the, I mean, not beat up, but I mean, you literally no, I beat it up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. And you know, for you to have or see those results on a race car, basically, you know, someone doing it on their everyday car, they should absolutely have a peace of mind. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's one of those things like, yeah, it is a little bit more money, but in the long run, is it, you know, if, if you get an extra 50, hundred thousand miles out of your car, is it really a lot more or, exactly. or is it actually like saving you money? Yeah, exactly. That is awesome. Um, one thing I just thought about. So I was at, I've been to FD. I haven't been for the like FDA tail for the past like two or three years, but I think the very first one I went to, I went by the Falcon tire booth cause it was my first one. I was excited to go get all the free stuff I could. I <laughs> went by Falcon tire. I signed up for the little, you know, uh, data collection thing they wanted. You could win like a swag pack and it was actually a Falcon tire. And I have one of your old S197 uh, Hot Wheels cars like they did a special of. No way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot all thing. about it. I still got it. There weren't that many of them because I looked them up on eBay. They were going for like 80 to $100. But I still. Yeah, have my buddy was trying to get one for his son the other. Uh, it was, was a couple months ago. But yeah, they're kind of hard to come by. Yeah. I'll, gi- I'll give you 125 for yours. <laughs> no, I, I got to get. I'll get him to sign it and then I'll sell it to you. There you go. <laughs> I'll put it above my bed. What one other real quick story before we wrap this up? So you remember last year at SEMA, um, a young fellow walked up to you after a uh, after you just did a drift demo, and he showed you okay. his phone. Do you remember who was on the phone? <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, I don't. I don't remember. <laughs> you, you remember when this dude walks up to you and he's like, "Hey, are you Justin?" <laughs> and then he shows you the phone, and I'm on the phone. With FaceTime, he wanted me to ask you, uh, what uh, what was your thought process when you saw this dude just walking up to him? Because he's like, his whole demeanor looked like he was just tired. And then he shows me the phone with you on it, and he like changed it to a completely different person. SEMA <laughs> <laughs> wear you out. Know? That's why. <laughs> if you haven't been to SEMA, like you just naturally get tired. Oh, yeah. as soon as you get there. All the smell and I, yeah, I mean, seeing you know, for some people, SEMA is like people like get to go and check everything out. But honestly, dude, it's it's tiring, it man. Is. Like, well, it's work for we're you. We're doing we're doing like two to three drift demos a, a day, 
um, in between, you know, from doing those, like obviously meeting, greeting fans and, and all, and all the questions that you get and trying to run around to, to all my different like sponsors, because that's a great opportunity for some base time with them, um, that you don't n- normally get because everybody's like pretty much all of your different people are there. So it's good to like go at least like check in, talk to them about like next year and, and different plans and, and just like being able to do some face to face because and and not being a a competition uh, um like atmosphere because when it during competitions it's it's really hard to like turn off the switch and and just be you know not focused on you know kill mode yeah. but because uh, I mean competitions I mean that's that's like work uh, that's not like really time to just be goofing off or whatever and. SEMA is a little bit more laid back and, and whatnot, but it's still like just busy time, man. Oh, like yeah. oh, so yeah. many people are there. Literally from it's 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. I mean, even later. I mean, oh, it's yeah. all day, every day. Yeah. Ugh. Smells like cigarettes and stale farts. <laughs> but yeah, but he, he just wanted me to bring that up and, and basically <laughs> laugh at it. That was, that was the pub sub time, right? Yep. Yeah. Pub, pub sub 30. Sub. Oh, geez. All right, well, let's end with the final question that we ask everyone. What? So if you can build, which you've built. You see, you're a little different here on, on this question because he's actually built these cars to Yeah, like that white S197. Yeah, right? But so we ask every every uh, interviewee, what if you could build any car or take a car that's been built Mustang-wise, what would it be? Um, Something different than I've already built? I mean, I feel like I mean, I've built any. No, I mean, I would probably definitely say that P fifty one. That thing is nasty. Uh, no, I mean, if I was, if I was to do something different, because I mean, I already have like P fifty one, you know, street car. Then that thing's pretty nasty. It's got an illuminator in it. You know, Ralph supercharger, obviously. Um, Magnum XL. I mean, that's a pretty like solid street car. Yeah. Uh, the race, race cars are like a bit much. You know, I mean, they're purpose built for like kill mode right um but honestly like something that i really have been kind of like planning and really want to build um i'd love to get a 65 fastback and do an illuminator uh coyote illuminator with a roush supercharger on it yeah and, and probably just keep it modest you know maybe like a phase two plus so like 750 horse you know, <laughs> yeah, just you know nothing modest, like too modest, crazy modest 750 um but then I'll do like a, a double A arm front suspension on it, um, you know, inner fenders and like the whole engine bay uh, outfit deal. So you can squeeze a coyote in there. Um, like maybe a mini tub uh, with some fat, maybe like 315s in the back. Um, you know, just a nice just a and modest. easy streetcar build. Yeah, just a nice <laughs> easy streetcar build. Heck yeah. Uh, but, but with AC and, and all the, all the nice feature comforts. Yeah, and I'd really like to try to somehow shoehorn like an S550 dash in it. Oh my um, god, that'd be sick. Yeah, with with all like the CAN bus stuff. That's that was kind of what like we, we basically do like a 50th anniversary rest resto mod build. Yeah. So take everything from like a 2015 Mustang, yeah. maybe Think Three because Think Three is a lot better than Think One. Yeah. Um, but like a take everything from like a 2015 Mustang 
and shoehorn it into a 65 fastback. So from the outside, it just looks like a really sweet resto mod uh, fastback, but now on the inside, it's basically everything S550 is. This sounds like our next SEMA build, Justin. Yeah, what's this dude waiting on? Let's do this. You need to bring him oh, to the venue this year. Just, just time. So just let's get time. let's get Junior on the line. <laughs> let's time, this. time and money. That's uh, it. Yeah, exactly. Well, Justin, we super appreciate uh, your time and, and chatting chatting through all this uh, fun talk. Um, but also, Jaren and I wanted to let you know we have actually broken both of our piggy banks and we put all the money together and we are going to buy you Taekwondo. Uh, lessons just in case any unsuspected ninjas try to attack you during any FD events. Okay. So I just, <laughs> I just want to put that out there. <laughs> yeah. I, I appreciate okay? the concern. Yes. I, I just, I just want to take care of my buddy. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right, dude. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Take care guys. All right, bye. What's up? Yeah, oh. so uh, thank you, JTP. Uh, so, no, if you want to check out Justin, um, obviously I, t- I told you a lot of his sponsors are listed on justinpollock.com. And he does have his own shop, Hotline Performance. Yes. I think, I, I don't know if those all, all tie in, but. Yeah, uh, I think they do. But yeah. he, he uh, does his own custom like angle kits for S550. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know for S197, but I know for S550. Right. And then we'll put all of his social stuff down below. Yeah. At uh, at Justin Pollock 13 yep. on uh, Facebook. And then I think JTP Justin Pollock on Facebook. So, okay. We'll end it on that one there. We will uh, talk to you guys soon. See ya. Bye.